I just want to be a person who cultivates a world where people can exist and be sure of their inherent value in it, regardless of what perspective they're taking. Everyone is so polarized and everyone is just yelling at one another and I get questions about what my opinion is and it's like, well, maybe I have some of it formed, but that's not as important to me as like just being present with you as a person, regardless of whatever it is that you're thinking right now. I just want people to be able to exist in ways where their their dignity is affirmed and more capable of having usually respectful conversations, even if they're disagreements with one another. This week on The Reckless Pursuit, we are continuing our Artist Spotlight series, and we are talking with Levi the Poet. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, my name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And this is episode 117 of the Reckless Pursuit. And as you heard, we're talking with Levi the Poet. Elaine, I'm going to let you intro this one and then we'll get right into it because I feel like uh, you're pretty passionate about this one. Yeah, so I've actually been following Levi pretty much ever since he started his uh, official career. So Uh, 10 years? Yeah, about 10 years now. And I've just, I've loved everything about his writing, just his style, his honesty, his transparency. And you'll hear a lot about just that process in this week's episode. Yeah. So let's just get right into this conversation we had with Levi the Poet. It was a good one. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Reckless Pursuit. This week, we are sitting with one of my all-time favorite artists and creative inspirations, Levi the Poet. How are you, Levi? I'm good. Thanks. I didn't know I was an all-time fave, so that's a flattering yes. <laughs> uh, flattering introduction. Thanks, Elaine. Yeah, I'm doing of all course. right. Hanging out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Very cool. How about yeah, you guys? You're, uh, we're, we're well. Um, we're hanging out in rural Arkansas, yep. <laughs> so hopefully our internet connection stays nice and stable for this conversation because that's a constant battle. But uh, yeah, no intimidation there, but you are a constant, um, I guess, a constant name being brought mm-hmm. up in our household. So... Uh, thank you for inspiring Elaine. I know it took me a while to get on here, so thanks for continuing to remind me. I appreciate that. <laughs> of course. Absolutely. So Levi, we're doing this artist spotlight thing where uh, we're just giving artists the chance to share what is bringing them joy, what is on their heart, and giving, I guess, uh, trying to breathe some life into this time right now. There's a lot of focus on the negative right now in the world, and I just think that it's a uh, it's a beautiful time to focus on something positive. So right now, Levi, what is something that's just bringing you joy? Where are you finding joy in this time? Oh, I mean, in, uh, w- one thing that has uh, that I've been doing lately is taking my dog on a walk as soon as I wake up in the mornings, and that's been really nice. Uh, it's entirely not uh, creative exactly, but it's uh, we've just been going out for like an hour, and I've been listening to some things that I want to listen to, and it's uh, it's getting to be pretty gorgeous in Albuquerque. And as of now... We're still allowed to walk around, <laughs> so uh, so that's that's been that's been fun. I mean, just kind of doing stuff to get, you know. It's funny because all this work at home order stuff um, isn't very different for me. There's 
some fear at times attached to, well, I make some of my living at home, but most of it is on the road. And so when am I going to be able to do that again? But insofar as um, the experience of being home and working from home, there's not a lot of difference, uh, you know, that, that I'm experiencing and I'm, and I'm privileged in certain ways to be able to continue to, um, you know, do an online show or try to, you know, try, try to come up with creative ways to be able to, but all of that to say the context of the stay at home and, uh, and the fact that there's not a whole lot of reprieve from that has, has worn on me at times, uh, over the last couple of months. So getting out and, and just, um, not being inside of this office all day or doing, you know, I, I tried to work on my house or try to get out and go hang with Brandy or, or my, my wife. And, um, so I, I don't know. I'm, that, that's a long, that's a long way to describe going on walks, but that, that's been nice. You know, like I, I've been trying to be creative and in, in the ways that I'm communicating with the folks, uh, who, who like with my audience and who are a part of my work. And, and that's honestly been really fun in certain ways. You know, I mean, I, I have been trying to, to look at the, uh, positives and, and the ways that, um, a lot of people have actually come together in, in really cool ways during this time as well, which is amazing. Yeah. How has creativity changed for you in a lot of this? I imagine like, I, I know for me, things have shifted. And like you said, it's not too different for us working from home, mm-hmm. but there's just a different mental stigma, I guess, like around what's going on. Go certain places. Mm-hmm. Right. So has your creative process, has it been hindered? Has it grown? Like kind of how has this affected that? I mean, I it, it's still creative process stuff, but since I do everything independently, um, I, I'm kind of, I've, the last couple of months have, have for me been a lot more about kind of like systems overhauls than they have been about like coming up with a new poem or something like that. I've been trying to figure out creative ways to stick to the stuff that I already knew needed to get done. Like I, you know, I rebuilt a site. I like, I like relaunched my, my version of Patreon. It's called the Fraction Club. I, I like, I've tried to, uh, <laughs> I added movie nights to that thing so that everybody could do something through Netflix party that felt fun and something that was interactive where everybody's just isolated and not interacting all the time. And so I don't know as far insofar as like stifled creativity. I mean, there's definitely a kind of mental spaciousness that I have to be really intentional about pursuing in order to continue to be creative, whether that's just getting task work done or coming up with something uh, you know, worth saying to the internet or whoever is listening, uh, because otherwise, like the more kind of mentally bogged down or trapped I end up feeling, the less creative I'm, I'm capable of being. So I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've been trying to be intentional about pursuing things, at least for parts of these days that give me that kind of uh, openness, I think, whether that's you know, meditation or, or those walks or, or like listening to something that is, uh, you know, more expansive than, uh, <laughs> than just being really afraid of the media all the time or whatever yeah. it ends yeah. up being, you know? Yeah. Has there been anything in your life that you've had to like cut out? I know we don't really watch the news anyway, but I've kind of had to lay Facebook to the wayside just because I realize there's a lot of people doing a lot of good and I've tried to pull those things closer. There's also a lot of people that are just regurgitating what is being fed to them and so like uh i guess how have you protected yourself uh i guess mentally to be able to focus on what you need to focus on 
I always kind of laugh when people ask me those questions as though I am that disciplined, you know, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of always, uh, I mean, it's not a bad question. I just always wish that I had a more definitive, this is the answer answer. Um, I, I do know. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it, it like things almost always come back around to social media um, breaks that need to happen. And, and that's not necessarily even related to, to pandemics. It's just like, man, well, I'll get so distracted looking at this thing or I'll end up on some person's argumentative rabbit trail for an hour and be like, you know, this was kind of interesting, but now, now, like now this thing I needed to get done today has to happen tomorrow. And that can just happen day after day after day. And then it's like, well, didn't do anything this week. And so I, I always find myself having to, to kind of you know, yesterday I just deleted all of my social media apps from my phone. And, and, uh, even though I can still get on this computer that I'm currently looking at, I just don't do that as much. So I think, I think maybe that's a little bit of the intentionality, you know, and whether that comes, whether that comes to, to just creating, uh, to, to reinforcing like that work needs to be done and I've got to just do something other than stare at the screen and open and close apps all day. Uh, or whether it does come down to more of a, of a mental health kind of a thing. Cause I, I think that on the one hand, it's been cool to watch a bunch of in, in the creative world right now, I feel like everyone has become a lot more collaborative and supportive mm. of oh, one yeah, another. Sure. And that's yeah. awesome. Like yeah. I, I really love that shift and, uh, and the kind of self forgetfulness that I'm seeing. Um, and at the same time, I know how quickly, you know, comparison can creep back in if you're constantly looking at everything everyone's doing to be creative and innovative right now, and then you're not feeling as creative or innovative, and then you're all of a sudden behind, and then you're all of a sudden in your head about something. Like, that. that's, I mean, I, I don't love admitting that that stuff happens to me as easily as it does, but it does. So it's just like, I'm glad whoever I'm looking at at the moment is figuring it out it's not going to help me figure it out by staring and wishing that I was doing that, you know? So, so, so we'll see you a little bit later. I'm going to, I'm going to do my thing. And uh, I think I've been trying to figure out how to do more and more of that, irregardless again of global <laughs> fear uh, for years. You know, I just, I, I know my tendency to get distracted. I know my tendency to go, quote unquote, searching for inspiration and then, then and then have that, have, have that make yeah. me turn into yeah. a nightmare human to be around because <laughs> I just feel bad about myself or some crap. So yeah, I, I think, I think like the intentional elimination of some things has been a practice that I have at times done a good job with and at times done an awful job with and just continued, continued on uh, regardless of what I know that it can do to me, you know? I know for me, at the very beginning of all of this COVID stuff, all of the self-quarantine, all, all of that, at the very beginning, I was like, okay, I'm going to be super productive. I'm going to be super creative. Mm -hmm. I'm going to create all these things. This is the best time to do this. Two weeks into it, I got really depressed. And yeah. I was like, I, I felt a lot of comparison slash cabin fever and, and all this stuff. And, and like, we've tried to go hiking on the weekends and stuff when it's not raining, but throughout the week, for the most part, we typically have been staying home. And mm -hmm. I actually recently quit Instagram because mm -hmm. of that. I, I was feeling a lot of comparison and, and I was feeling some of that depression and anxiety and stress coming up. And I wasn't productive. I wasn't creative, 
But since uh, getting rid of my Instagram two weeks ago, I've found different ways to have more collaborations and having more authentic conversations through Zoom or, you know, even limiting my time on Facebook to have only authentic, positive conversations. And I, that, that's really helped me with my mental yeah. health. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think one of the things that I, it's funny because like I, I've, I've really created a kind of, um, for better or worse, I, I've I've always been pretty available to everyone that I that that follows my my stuff, and um, I've had to practice better boundaries uh, at times because otherwise you're just so spread thin, and it just seeps into every aspect of your life. Because of that desire to be available, I sometimes feel like oh, I'm I'm doing my fans or somebody like a disservice by not by 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 removing myself from this context, but. Man, I've burnt out enough times <laughs> over the years to just be like, well, I'm I'm no good whatsoever if I'm just functioning at, from an empty well. So that that's part of it. And then also, you know, w- for some of this upkeep stuff that needs to happen, and re- you know, like because social is kind of a thing that I feel like you can't just not do, especially yeah. if you're, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh yeah, well, else does anybody hear about anything? It's also not like you can't use systems that get out what you need to get out without having to be on that platform. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, well, I could buffer this or I could, I could, I, I could use Hootsuite for this post. Or what. So it's like, I know that things need to continue to happen for my work. And I know that I, I know that interaction is one of them, but, but not by constant and without barriers interaction. And I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for tools like that exist that give people a little bit of a break in, in the in between based on what you said about the, um, a depression and anxiety thing. I, I've been listening to this podcast by a guy named James Finley. It's called Turning to the Mystics. And uh, he's going through a series, I guess, on Thomas Merton, who he who was his teacher uh, growing up, which is kind of crazy to be hearing from a guy one year, uh, like uh, one degree removed from a personal favorite guy um, in Merton. But he sort of is talking about the necessity for like a daily rendezvous um, with, with, uh, you know, with yourself, with the Lord, like, like what he's, he's speaking a bit more universally than just like my, my faith world. But I, but it's every bit as much applicable, I think, in the way that he's just saying, like, you've got to, you've got to take a minute to, to separate yourself from the noise and like, be available to yourself and to, and, and then in, in turn that, that makes you a bit more available to those around you. So I've appreciated just encouragements like that and, and, uh, and, and reminders, I guess, to be able to be like, all right, it's not, it's not a bad thing to just like turn all this crap off and be quiet for a while or whatever. Yeah. And I want to circle back to the faith element here in a minute uh, I guess since that is kind of the premise of our show, but I have something else I want to address first. I guess I want to ask first because I heard you talking about burnout and uh, burnout, something that I ha- I feel like I struggle with constantly. Um, I, I'm one of those people where I can pour and pour and pour into something to the point of it just exhausting all of my fumes. I, I feel that completely of like you just go online, you give, you try to do so much to the point of having nothing left. And whenever I stepped away from, I, I guess, like being a, a minister, a couple years ago, I was completely exhausted and like mm-hmm. music's always been a passion of mine. I laid all my creative stuff down and I'm just now starting to pick that back up, which is kind of what helped inspire this creative spotlight mm-hmm. because uh, I mean, who better to learn from than, than you guys who've been doing this. So <laughs> what is something that uh, for you helps you 
I guess, get filled back up? Like you said, you don't, you can't pour from an empty well. What are those things that help you fill you back up? I mean, I, I mentioned meditation and prayer and, and, and that really is something that has been absolutely uh, essential for me. I do think that I had to learn how to, I, I use the word meditation, not as, uh, as contrasted with prayer, but I just think I needed to learn how to be still and know, and I needed to unlearn calling a list of my anxieties prayers. You know what I mean? Like I, I needed to learn how to kind of close my mouth and not just, uh, vomit a bunch of task lists, <laughs> uh, to God or whatever. I, you know, and, and to, and to be still and to be a lot of last year was my, uh, working through a lot of burnout and, and I took a lot of time. I took the whole year off of the road and didn't, didn't keep on just like bashing my head into the same brick wall that I had been running it through for years. And, and that was good, but, but difficult. So, so I mean, even something as simple as like, I used the Headspace app for that for a long time. I, I, I really, I appreciate, um, you know, kind of, and there's calm and there, there's all, there are all kinds of different things, but I appreciate some of that sort of guided meditation because for whatever reason, I have to have somebody tell me to be quiet in order for me <laughs> to be quiet. <laughs> and so, um, you know, so that's something I think exercise is something my wife is a CrossFit coach and she's way more uh, fit and uh, disciplined about her exercise than I am. But I know that when I'm like actively pursuing that, then I feel better mentally as well. And I also just know that I really love to learn. And so when I feel as though that isn't happening, I, I, I get this sense of being kind of like dull or, or numb or, or some, something like that. I, I don't quite have the, the correct word for it, but <laughs> it's funny because at times, like just continuing to shove information into my head has made me a very miserable kind of person. And so, but at the same time, just like doing mindless things uh, doesn't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words. And I apologize for that. I guess, I guess just like, I want to continue to pursue things that make me feel as though like I am, I am growing and understanding and ever, uh, ever progressing sort of while not becoming a bloated jerk about it. It like with a big egoic head, that's like, Oh, I know all of this stuff and there, you know what I mean? It's like, so, so I, but I, but I do think that a lot of that stuff is grounding. Like I enjoy having, um, in mind full engaging things to consider and to, to bring up in conversation. And I think, I think that's probably equal uh, ever more true in light of the fact that I'm not around a ton of no one's around a ton of other people to have those kinds of conversations with right now. It's like, um, so I'm, whether that's pursuing it in a podcast or a book or, or whatever, I, those are things that I enjoy and bring me life. With implementing those different exercises of meditation, prayer, all of those things, where have you seen or how have you seen God or your spiritual journey or your faith unfold during this season? Or has it? Yeah, has it? <laughs> has it changed? Are you talking specifically during like quarantine, pandemic, yeah. global yeah. crisis mm -hmm. time? I mean, certainly everyone is talking about the same thing. You know, every, everybody's trying to wrap their minds around what's going on. Everybody's trying to 
commiserate with one another about how it's impacting their personal life or their work and and the the implications of that spread into uh, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual aspects of a person's life. And so I think a recurring theme, if not, well, certainly personally, but also among others who are here in Albuquerque and and whose lives are really being affected by this, especially economically, uh, because and, and that's not to be cal. I feel like I feel like in this season, if you say something about the economy, then you're just a callous jerk who doesn't mm-hmm. care about people's lives. And and that's not well, one that I don't think that that's fair, because obviously some of the economic implications affect people's lives. And so that, you know, but one, one of the recurring themes, I think, has been moving with God through the thing and not trying to go around it or above it or beneath it or avoid it. You know, I don't, I, I think a lot of times um, our prayers end up being things like, God, help me avoid this conflict or help me avoid this difficult time. Or like, if you loved me, then you would just like pick me up with your weird claw arm and then drop me on the other side of it, you know? And and instead I think it's had, you have to be in it. And so, and so what does it look like to learn from and pray from these days like death that you're going through as opposed to just treating God as though he's a genie who's going to put you inside of a bubble and keep you out of all of it. Like, I think that there's a lot to be learned from um, the descent into darkness that, that at least has been, has been my journey. Uh, and, and I would say it continues even even into a lot of this because there are a lot of unknowns and 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 so so security whatever that means has to come from something that is more than circumstantial because nobody's circumstances are great right now. Yeah, and I think with all the noise going on, it's <clears throat> I know for me my biggest struggle, and um, I'll chalk this up. I don't know if you're an enneagram guy or not. Or yeah, before. nine okay, wing sweet. one. Okay, very cool. So I'm a five wing four. And so you were talking about knowledge and like, that's my language right there. Like I want to learn everything away. And right now my biggest thing that like I'm having to deal with is like, okay, it's okay to not have to try to figure out what all is going on in the world. I don't have to be up to date on every little thing. Mm -hmm. I need to be in this moment. And like you were saying, go through it. I need to express and see God in this moment versus trying to get to the other side of things. Because I feel like that's my constant resolve is, how do I get through, get through, get to the next, get to this next thing? And I lose the fulfillment of being where I'm at, even yep. in those hard situations, you know, losing clientele. Uh, we had one business completely shut down. Like there's all these things. And my first reaction is how do we get through this? Yeah. But I'm skimming over so many of the details. So thank you for saying that because I feel like I that's feel, a very forget, real thing. Or I feel like you tend to not understand like the full capacity of like growth and maturation in that and even like when you're just praying like okay I just want to get to the this other side of it I feel like you're forgetting an aspect of Christ of like he is there to walk you through those things you know God didn't promise us that we were going to have a perfect life God didn't promise us that we weren't going to have to live through adversity but he did promise that he was going to go with us through those things and I think that's where like the maturation the strengthening of that and understanding of like he is there, and 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 it's unique because we're all in some way suffering from this together, um, whether that is economics or whether that is from a, like a physical health standpoint or mental health or, or anything. More, like that yeah, that all of that, yeah. and yeah. just I, I feel like 
you can find the beauty in the chaos or, or in the adversity, knowing that one, like we're all together in this and that like God is walking through this with us. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a, I feel like this is such a um, potentially self-congratulatory thing to do, but I, I wrote this uh, quoting yourself. That's what I'm going to do. But there's a, there's a line in a, in a piece that I wrote where I feel like I learned kind of, the summarization of what we're talking about. And I, I just said, there's no bridge for bypassing crucifixion. Like you have to go through whatever the death is in order to get to whatever the life is on the other side. There's this quote that I wrote down the other day. This is not mine, but the, it says that the virtue of hope with great irony is the fruit of a learned capacity to suffer wisely, calmly, and generously. Uh, the ego demands successes to survive the soul needs only meaning to thrive. Somehow hope provides its own kind of meaning uh, in a most mysterious way. But the, the, the point being that the hope comes in the midst of the suffering. And, uh, and, and so I, I think for me, like, at least when it comes to my work as a Levi, the poet, and then, you know, uh, the audience that I am trying to communicate with and even more intimately, although that's not the right word exactly with with like the patrons and, and the fraction club and the people that I engage with a good a good amount more than than just like the 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 rest of folks is like how can I figure out a way to do my part in making people feel less alone which has always sort of been my goal but is probably even more so now when people uh are feeling that way and also being aware of the fact that a lot of the people who are in my world are there because they resonate with a lot of the mental struggle that I've talked about over the years. And that's kind of a heavy thing on me because I'm, I'm that much more aware of, a, of, of my world's proclivity to en end up in darker places just because of the nature of what we're all relating to one another on. But I was going to say, that's, I feel like that's one of the reasons why I resonate with your work so much is that you're not afraid to walk through those things or you are afraid and you're honest <laughs> about that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, like you're, you're not, um, you know, afraid to walk through those things and say, Hey, like I'm suffering in this, or I have stress about this or, and, and opening that up to other people of like, Hey, you're not alone. You matter in this. Um, you know, we're together. And that's something that I've always been drawn to your work is that you're honest in everything that you come out with and in, in your creativity and your poems and all of that stuff. And even how you interact with people online, you're not afraid to say, hey, like I am dealing with this, I'm struggling with this and just just being vulnerable and being transparent with that. And I feel like especially now, but that's something that we all need is a little more transparency, a little more vulnerability and just being honest with each other and being honest with where we're at. Can I play devil's advocate real quick? Yeah, go for I it. Just, I just want to ask because like Elaine's super familiar with all of your work I, and I, I learned your work through her whenever we started dating. So do you feel like when you're writing, uh, do you feel like that honesty? Do you like, is that something you feel when you're writing it? Or do you feel like, man, I should be more honest? Do you have that internal battle? I probably more often feel as though, or I more often wonder, should I maybe be less honest? Like, should I maybe <laughs> not say this actually? Because, yeah. and I alluded to this earlier, but I do feel like one of the things that I've had to learn more about over the last year in particular is the importance of uh, boundaries and the importance of not being so available that I'm constantly overextended to a, 
a, a digital audience, even though obviously the digital audience is backed up by real human beings. And I'm, I'm grateful for that, but not to be so overextended there that I'm unavailable to my wife and my family and our home and myself. And, and then when it comes to some of the expressions of, of, of vulnerability, like I'm, I'm grateful. Like I, if that's the legacy that I have at the end of all of this, that will be wonderful to me. Like Mm -hmm. I, I I will love to, I I would love to be able to believe that others have felt less alone because I've been willing to voice my feelings of aloneness, you know, that would be amazing. Um, but also I know that I've overshared at times, like, or at least I feel as though, um, you know, there have been instances where I look back on and I'm like, ah, maybe that wasn't actually that appropriate. Maybe that was, Maybe that was was less being bravely and courageously vulnerable in the face of fear and more like, oh, my God, I'm so terrified. This is a cry for help. But you're viewing it as like a bold thing when in reality it was something that I probably shouldn't have. You know, uh, Brene Brown, I, I bring her up a lot. She talks about the way that people can sometimes in the in the under the guise of vulnerability, um, spotlight their audience and just completely blind them. And it's like, well, that doesn't do anybody any good. You're still functioning from a place almost like, am I still functioning from an open wound or has this thing scarred over enough for me to actually make it a a helpful thing to talk about? And I'm aware of the times when it hasn't scarred up yet. You know what I mean? And so so that that's probably more of my struggle or it's like I'll write out a thing and then my wife is a, is a is a much more private person and so you know even though at times that can lead to disagreements about what's appropriate and what's not I I at least know that I have a I have a constructive critique from her perspective waiting for me before I shove something out into the world that might not be appropriate yeah, and I was I was going to say sometimes I the struggle that I have sometimes is do I share this, share what I'm feeling or what I'm going through as I'm going through it or do I share online specifically the the outcome of that or what I learned from that? Cuz yeah. a couple years ago I was in the hospital and had a bunch of horrible stuff like kidney infections and everything was there and was in the hospital for a week and I didn't really tell anybody like I didn't want anybody to know but then after I got home after I was healthy then I started telling people oh yeah like this is why I disappeared for a week I was actually in the hospital like and all this stuff (laughs) and that's something that I've kind of wondered is like do I share with my audience or do you share with your audience like as you're going through something and and how much of that do you share or do you share after after you've like come out of that? Um, and specifically, I guess, with your writing. Yeah, I think that there's some validity. I, I think that there's like opportunity for both and that there's the, the thing like I don't want to get, you know, I, I'm a very analytical person and I don't want to overanalyze. I'm, I'm like. I've spent a lot of life overanalyzing to the point of complete paralysis where I, I'm just like, oh, I, well, I can't make that decision there. I can't do that thing here. And this might be bad potentially for some person out there. So maybe it's not worth doing or whatever, you know? And so, I mean, one of the things that comes to mind for me or something I've tried to cultivate is I have this thing called the Fraction Club and there it, I use Discord as the platform for all of our interaction. And we have a bunch of different conversation channels in there. And one of them is a mental health conversation channel. And there's like a, you know, help and support channel and all kinds of, of different things where people, you know, and people, people share in there often from the place of brokenness. And I want to be able to cultivate that because by and large, you know, I, I, I think things have gotten better in certain worlds, but by and large, it's still really difficult for people to voice what they're going through for what the thing is. 
in and of itself, but then also because where is there a safe space for people to be able to do that? Most of social media is like subtweeting and being cynical about other yeah. people's things that they feel like sharing, you know, and, and I, on the foot. And so I, and I try to participate in that, you know, I mean, if I'm, if I'm like really going through it, then at times I feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't share this because I'm the administrator. I'm the creator of this thing. I'm the one who's supposed to be, but it's like, well, that's counterproductive. That's not why I started this at all. You know, Yeah. I think for me and, and where this all started with your, you know, original premise before devil's advocacy and all, all of that is like, I find myself I'm, I've been trying to clarify what it is that I think I'm actually doing in the world. You know, I think that everything is so polarized right now. Every, everyone's got a thought about what's right and what's wrong. I'm not in any way trying to say that neither of those things exist, but I just want to be a person who cultivates a world where people can exist and be sure of their inherent value in it, regardless of what perspective they're taking, whether it's red or blue. Everyone is so polarized and everyone is just yelling at one another. And I get questions about what my opinion is. And it's like, well, maybe I have some of it formed, but that's not as important to me as like just being present with you as a person, regardless of whatever it is that you're thinking right now, because that's going to change in a decade or it's going to change whenever. I just want people to be able to exist in ways where their their dignity is affirmed and we're capable of having mutually respectful conversations, even if they're disagreements with one another. Yeah, I love that because something we come back to quite a bit, something that we've had to learn, uh, something that I was never very good at, so I guess I've had to learn a lot lately even, is just because you have opposite perspectives, most arguments and things like that stem from the same place of wanting the same outcome. Like most people, especially like looking at politics and stuff like that, or even religion in general, you know, most religion is vying for peace. Most political parties want, you know, these polarizing opinions. They're wanting to come to a place that's better for people and individuals. They just have very different views on what leads there. But when you can get alone with someone and just kind of get to know them, those differences of opinion really kind of drop because you get to know their heart behind it. I think that's what that was the thing that I was kind of taking out of what you're just saying is getting to know people's heart beyond just these blanket statement facades Idols, that we yeah. have built up around us, I guess, to protect our our identity or to fit in maybe to a certain. Yeah, I don't, I don't I think you get where I'm going with that. I was having a conversation yesterday with a friend about uh, a friend that he was worried about. That's as specific as I can get. But. I'm like I said, I'm, I'm analytical. I'm I'm super detailed. I'm super um I'm super careful about the way that I craft words and language and and um and I and I want you know I want to be understood uh, to a fault you know I but then I've got friends who are just like so loud. Don't think about what they're saying at all, or if they do, it still comes out haphazardly and it feels more like an attack than anything else. And it's like it's not. It's also I don't know. I, it's also not just about what's being said, but about the motivation behind it. And there's some, there's some deep work that you have to do with one another in order to understand what the dialogue that you're actually having is just because a person says a thing that sounds awful. doesn't mean that that's, I don't know. I, I just, it just takes hard work to understand and be understood. And I think everybody writes one another off very quickly. And um, that's unfortunate in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, kind of like, I mean, we've witnessed it online. It's kind of why I got off Facebook for a little while. Like there's just a lot of that. 
right now because I think maybe more people have more time to give to that right now with social media. But I, I love that that is your mission is to help bring people together to help learn to help understand each other. And I feel like even as artists, I feel like just hearing your honesty of like, I'm having to reevaluate what my mission is because I feel like we look at people like, oh, you have stuff published. You're, you're out there. You have your stuff together. Actually, no, no, no one has their crap together. We're all trying to figure that out every day. Well, and I was going to say, I think part of that is understanding yourself and understanding like where you're at, understanding your own motivation for things, understanding your own identity, whether that's through prayer or through meditation or, or any other guided practice. And then being able to say, okay, I understand myself now. And then turning to your neighbor and saying, okay, we can have a conversation. Because I feel like once you are able to understand that, then you can start having more fruitful dialect. You, you can start um, under, it, it's, I, I feel like once, once you start to understand yourself, flaws and all, then it's less about, okay, here's these opinions. And it's more of like, okay, here's our heart on this. Here is like where we are coming from. We're able to share experiences, even if we don't necessarily agree on why or how, but we're still able to still, we're, we're, we're able to still tell stories and, and share perspectives and share experiences on the notion of, I want to understand myself better and I want to understand you better. I my I've got a whiteboard in my office next to me, and I, I wrote down a quote from my friend. Uh, his name's Jesse Bryan, and uh, he he told me if you don't have your own convictions, you have to borrow someone else's. And <laughs> and uh, and I like that. You know, it's a lot, and 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 that's particularly resonant for me as a you know as an enneagram number nine who's constantly seeing all perspectives and the validity behind each of them. And I think that there's some. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm for as much as that drives me nuts, I'm really thankful for it. But I also need I, I've also had to learn how to have my own convictions. You know, it's a, it's a lot. It's a it's it's um it's, it's very difficult to just go talking a, a, about a thing based upon a whole bunch of other quotes that you've heard and memorized, but haven't really mm-hmm. internalized or understood what they mean for you. It's it's, it's kind of like a, a shallow starting point. And I've, I've had to acknowledge my, you know, mile wide inch deepness and try to pursue something that gets down into it a little bit more than I have in the past. Uh, This is kind of wrapping, I guess, kind of back towards some stuff where we started, but just on your creative process, I had a personal question, I guess. What is your, I guess, what is the fulfillment in your creative process or why do you create on a personal level? Are you, is it a form of expression? Is it a form of trying to trying to get through something like you were saying that the dark valley or what have you, what, what is your, um, I guess your ultimate drive to create? Certainly it's certainly it's all of those things. I mean, when I started writing, it was very therapeutic. And when I'm able to get to a place of it just being me and the paper, uh, you know, or as opposed to me, the paper and the, concern about an audience who will maybe one day see the things that are on the paper, uh, it can still be therapeutic. I think that at times I've lost a little bit of that and it's even become more difficult to write, being aware of the fact that I might at some point put that out, which is, which is a shame. I, but I, and I'm not, it's not like a, a thing that I'm particularly proud of, but it, it's just like being honest about the fact that once anybody started to listen, it became that much more difficult to know what to say to those listeners. You know, um, 
like, do I continue it down this vein of personal transparency and invite everyone into my everything or do I not, you know? Uh, but I, I still find writing to be, uh, there's a quote that talks about how uh, we read to know we're not alone. I think I write for a lot of the same reason at times. I also write just because I love it. Like not, not everything has the, the has to have a, a crazy, like existential something yeah. or other yeah. attached to it, but that's part of it. I mean, I, I, I also know that I write to solidify ideas that are not yet on the ground. Um, like I, there's, there's constant, there's a lot of chatter in my mind most of the time and writing is a way for me to pull things out of the clouds and actually put them on a foundation that I can see and then decide, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Or nope, I haven't found it yet. Um, so, so writing also is a form of learning for me. I think, you know, it's a form of like, it's a form of discovery in, in a lot of ways. And I think it's also a kind of practice in and of itself that is, or at least can be, uh, you know, its own form of meditation because it, uh, it forces me to, I mean, obviously we're having this conversation, uh, I'm a rambler, you know, or I can, it can take a long time for me to get to what the final point is. Whereas in writing, it's like, it might still take me a while, but by the time it makes its way anywhere, it's succinct enough to be understood, Mm -hmm. you know? And I like that. I, you know, even, and I do that, not just publicly as a person whose job it is, but even in, you know, I mean, (laughs) me and me and like in times past, when I feel like I haven't been able to communicate well with a person, whether that's my wife or my sister or my, or a friend, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to not call you this time. I'm going to write you an email and then we can have a discussion about it. But I think that I will better articulate what I'm trying to say and my motivation in it if I write this thing out. And that's kind of rad to be able to have another form of expression. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely feel that. Um, I feel like my best language is through writing, and and it's it's kind of weird because we host this podcast. I've I've been doing this for, uh, we've been doing this show specifically for two years, and and I have my solo show and everything. And I when I I feel like I have to write down everything. Like I have like all these notes. Like Cody's over here, like I'm you know, just opposite. pulling things from his <laughs> yeah. mind, and I'm like, wait, no, I have to think about this question. Mm-hmm. I have to think about what I'm going to say next. And yes. I feel like that can be a blessing and a curse yeah. um, because one, it can help you like truly understand what the message you are trying to convey, but it's also like, oh no, I, I didn't say that quite right. Or um, that that wasn't actually the what I meant whenever I said this thing. And so I feel like I, I can definitely resonate with that as, as I, I feel like my message or whatever I'm trying to convey is easier or not even necessarily easier, but makes sense on paper. I have to get a, a freaking teleprompter half the time to just like yeah. look at the camera and know what the heck I'm talking about five minutes into the thing, you know? Like, yeah. I'm very much like you in that. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, I think that's just kind of the beauty of it. I don't know. My brain goes a thousand different directions, but I think of like written text. I think of like the Bible and like all these different ways, like how whenever you and I get going, Elaine, like you read it a whole different way yeah. than I read it because. I'm used to seeing things. I'm used to dialing like, back and forth. Like my gifting, I guess, is just being able to just pull everything out of my head. Like the more notes I have, the worse I get. And so, <laughs> You're like terrorized like, by... It's, it's weird, man. Like I went through here and like Elaine had some things that she had wrote down and I just highlighted like words 
to make sure I stayed on track. But anytime I try to write a sermon or write a speech, I, I, I just wadded it up and tossed it out halfway through. But like Elaine's able to articulate things through text and she reads things like whether it be a book or, you know, something older, an older text like the Bible. And she's like, oh, have you thought of it this way? I'm like, well, no, I didn't even think it could be taken that way. I just I think that's the beauty of language. That's the beauty of communication. And and it kind of ties up kind of like a theme of what we're talking about here is learning to communicate with others and learning how they communicate to better understand their heart. And I don't know, I don't, that doesn't really have like a, a resolve to it, just a random thought that kind of hit yeah. my mind, I guess. No, I, well, I think it's cool. I mean, I like communication because of what a person can do with it. And it, it, like anything, it can be used for good or evil and life and death exist on the on the tongue. And, and I like being able to try to speak life with mine. And, and I think it's, you know, I think it's amazing that people can either do that with or without a note in front of them. But one of my favorite things about language is being able to come up with new and creative ways to see the world. Like, I think that that, that's a lot of the role that art and maybe poetry in particular, at least in relation to me, plays in this place, because it is, to use a ridiculous cliche, you know, a word picture like you're painting something for people to see from perspectives that they otherwise wouldn't and i love that about i love it it's it's just so cool that that can happen at all yeah, yeah. so with that being said i guess uh for sake of time here i don't want to take up your whole day either no, <laughs> but, fine. uh so what are things you're creating right now i know you're writing a book or you've written yeah. a book how far are you in though you're done with it right yeah so it's it's submitted to the printer uh, as of yesterday, which is really exciting. It, it took a couple months longer than I thought that it would, like all things do. But uh, insofar as writing a book, I mean, it, it this thing is kind of, uh, it's going to be like a coffee table art book. Um, it'll okay. it'll be cool. like, it'll be, I, I've never published all of the, all of the stuff that I've written. I've, I've done, you know, like record releases and digital streaming and all of that stuff, but I've never actually put all of my poetry into a book of poetry. So it's going to end up being, we did a documentary on it there. It's all of the poetry from over the years. It's commentary on it. It's photography from throughout the years. It's, it's somewhat linear in nature and that it moves from, you know, the first record up until the last one. And then kind of, I don't know, I guess it's to be continued as in so far as whatever comes next, but it, you know, last year in the fall marked the 10 year anniversary of my doing Levi the Poet for a living. And uh, it just felt like a book is something I've always wanted to do. It felt like a really neat kind of cathartic way to um, celebrate 10 years. And I'll be freaking stoked when it comes out, man. I've been wanting to do it for a long time. So it's nice. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And congratulations on that. Uh, And just, uh, I guess like that's exciting just to be able to exist in that moment. I know, I don't know yeah. if you get this way, but I get super caught up. Like I said earlier, and like the what's next. Yeah. So uh, just congratulations on where you're at right now, aside from whatever's <laughs> coming you. down the yeah. pipe. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I think, I think, and I think, you know, this, I'm certainly it probably contributes to it doing the podcast and it's kind of hard to exist in the now. I mean, in general, but, but maybe especially when you're trying to do creative work and, and and maybe you know creative work yourself because there's always a next thing there's always something else that could be done or something that could have been done better or something that could be redone you know so uh so i appreciate that because 
getting to exist in the now is a, a real gift at times. Um, so I guess like my final question, I don't know if Elaine has anything else, but I had like kind of one more thought kind of hit me as we were progressing through this. You may have already said something uh, about this, but what is just a, a general thought or an inspiration that you find yourself kind of coming back to in the last, I guess, I get maybe since you started writing your book or in the last little bit of time uh, that's passed, maybe with all the stuff with COVID, maybe it's a little longer than that, but just a creative thought or unction or phrase or anything that you've been coming back to. Yeah. So that's interesting. You asked that the, the recurring theme uh, of, of the year thus far uh, has been behold, I stand at the door and knock. And um, it's funny sharing that almost because I, I, this is my own cynicism coming out, but I tend to get kind of like cringy when, <laughs> uh, when, when things like that are, are used in perceivably pithy ways, like, Oh, I can do anything. And this is great. And blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I don't, I don't really love that, but, um, I had a really weird, lucid experiential kind of dream at the very beginning of this year where there was a knock at my front door. Um, but then the odd bit is that I woke up from that dream before I heard the words, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And it was like so clear that I had to ask Brandy if there was another person inside of our house. Wow. Like I was very much awake and it was a very experiential and unexplainable uh, kind of moment. But I kind of I kind of just took it to mean that um I can open the door and there's not a monster on the other side of it. Like just open the thing up and go through it or let whatever into it. And, and it's just, been, it's just been a nice and recurring reminder to me because I am trying to, I am trying to be creative. I am trying to, um, to sort of revamp some things that um, I just intentionally let go of last year for my own health sake, but didn't want to let die. And I think that, even after a decade's worth of doing this, there is always resistance and there's always fear and there's always things that, that threaten to creep in and prevent you from doing whatever the new idea is or launching whatever the new thing is. Or, you know, it's just, it's just kind of, a. I don't know if you guys have ever read a book called The War of Art, but if you haven't, it's by Stephen Pressfield and I'd highly recommend it. He talks a lot about, about that. And so anyway, behold, I stand at the door and knock, I guess, I guess it, it just has been a reminder of like, okay, like somebody's not about to lob a grenade at me. Let's just keep on going. You know, like I don't have to be so terrified of things. And, and it's been a wonderful reminder because I, I feel like I've been able to, to move through the days a lot more confidently, surely than I would have been able to at this time last year. And I'm, I, I think that's indicative of a lot of growth personally, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. I like that. I think it's uh funny. I know a lot of people who go through deconstruction, reconstruction, which I'm assuming you've done a little bit of just based on yeah. your work. Yeah. And uh, I, I know coming out the other side and using any kind of um, not superficial, but seemingly superficial biblical phrase that gets thrown around <laughs> almost just goes like, really, that's what I have to focus on right now. <laughs> Crap. And so yeah. <laughs> thank you for being brave to yeah. share that. Yeah. 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 Uh, because. I know that uh, for me, trying to tell people that, I would just be like, wow, this is so shallow. I hope that I can convey the depth of like the reality that is this thing in my life right now. It's, yep. I guess it just goes back to the beauty of the facets of God and how much there is to uh, to our yeah, spirit and all that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. sorry, I, I digress. But you have anything else you want to I don't have any closing uh, questions, but thank you for hanging out with us today. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for reaching out. And again, I apologize that it took me such a long time to make my yes a yes and actually get on this thing with you guys. But I appreciate you, uh, your, your, you know, interest and support through this on, on my end as well. And, and, um, yeah, man, I, it's always a little odd when I'm thinking about, Oh, they, why do they want to talk to me? You know, I, I don't know. It's not, it's not meant to be like a, a, a false humility or some humble brag or something like that, but it's nice to be able to, I just like having conversations with people and I like, um, I like seeing what other creative things people are doing. And I, I like, if I can even being able to help with some of that. So it's nice to, to do things like this and I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So just for audio's sake, uh, we're going to put all your links and stuff of what you have going in the show notes. But where uh, where can people find you? Where do you want to direct folks right now? I think the easiest thing is just if you Google Levi the Poet or go to levithepoet.net or look that up on anything, you'll find whatever you're looking for. So um, that's, you know, website is probably just the easiest one-stop shop to see everything that's going on. Yeah, very cool. Do you have anything closing, any closing remarks or thoughts you want to hit before we, before we shut this down? I don't, I don't think so. I'm not going to try to pull something out of thin air to just (laughs) be profound or something like that. You know, I've tried that in the past and it just turns into another ramble. So I I won't, I won't even risk it, but I, I, yeah, no, I just appreciate you having me on. Thank you for that. Levi, thanks again for joining us here on The Reckless Pursuit for this artist spotlight. Thanks for being honest and sharing, which is something you're good at anyway. So it was a lot of fun having you. And everyone, go over and check out his work if you haven't already. His lyrics, his poetry, his writing is all extremely uh, just... It will definitely challenge you, and it will inspire you, and it will um, put you in a place to want to express emotion and i just i think that's what he does so well so levi thanks again for that and of course go check out his work if you haven't done so so far head down to the show notes below click that link and ask to be a part of nomads a safe community for christians to ask unsafe questions we would love to have you and as always be brave be bold and be reckless we'll talk talk soon. soon